have to be willing to be vulnerable as you drop into fear. And fear is such a vital pathway to liberation because if you're not willing to face fear and step out of your comfort zone and have beginner's mind, you're not going to get very far because our programs are, they, they're controlling our mind and they're all rooted in fear. And if you want to, right below the fear then is, or through the fear is another layer of vulnerability and below that is love. This is the Beware How Show, mystic philosophy made practical. There are many paths up the mountain, and we're just pointing at a few of them. I'm Bob Peck, speaking with Scott Stanley, Brian Paget, and Melina Kiriaki. We are conscious creatives and formerly closeted mystics trying to unpack the inaccessible. According to the mystics, the truth cannot be spoken, but we'll try to talk about it anyway. Hello, this is the Beware How Show. Today is Sunday, September 20th, and our guest is Jennifer Miller. Jennifer is a spiritual teacher, healer, and interfaith minister who travels the globe facilitating a healing method called cellular transformation. Her gift of bringing through transformational healing energies works to transform the epigenetic blueprints that cause pain and limitation in our body, mind, and life. A native of Northern Ireland, living south, of Austin, Texas, Jennifer has been immersed in the field of trauma healing for over two decades, working with thousands of people from diverse cultural backgrounds. Her work is a blend of psychological and emotional inquiry combined with spiritual transformation that results in fundamental life shifts. Approached through the lens of epigenetics, cellular memory, and the healing power of vulnerability and love, Jennifer models how an intimate relationship with the universal language of energy, the Tao, and how to read it, trust it, and follow it in each moment of life is the key to deep healing and self-realization. Recognized widely as an exceptional mentor to healers and teachers of all ages, she touches many lives the world over. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. We are thrilled to have you. Likewise, my pleasure to be here. I want to talk a lot about cellular transformation and the work, um, kind of what it is, what it does. Um, definitely want to get into um, your, you know, spiritual relationship with Ryan Paget as a teacher healer because it's been beautiful. It's been absolutely beautiful, and maybe I should just start by, um, you know, with gratitude for you know doing such incredible work with my brother who really needed your help and you know yes he did some work himself it that's a big part of it but thank you so much for um introducing this capacity to him and this modality to him um before we jump into all that tell us a little northern ireland tell us a little bit about your background yes it's cold and wet and rainy there (laughs) and different than texas (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I grew up in Northern Ireland, spent my first 21 years there and um, loved the people, loved the country, but I had personally a hard time there, Um, struggled. It was during the Troubles, so there was a war going on and um, I mean, personally unaffected directly by that, but everybody's affected indirectly in one way or another. So I, I... 
I had a tough time. I was bullied heavily through school for um, weight issues. And, and then I ended up uh, experiencing a gang rape and attempting suicide. And it was by the time I hit 20, it was like I was kind of skidding out of life. Like, get me out of here. And um, interestingly, my mom and dad, one came from a Catholic background, the other from a Protestant background. And obviously that was part of the nature of the war. So when they chose to have my sister and I, they raised us atheists. Like they denounced their religious affiliation, which was such a gift actually. And I still feel like I have a very strong inner atheist still working in me. Um, (laughs) It keeps me level-headed. It keeps the kind of no bullshit meter nice and strong. Critical thought. Yeah. (laughs) But it wasn't enough. Like there was something always missing. There was a void there. And I had no idea what it was until shortly after I thankfully did not succeed at taking my life. And I ended up, um, I guess that I was ready. So the teacher came and this American man um, came over and I heard about his work, uh, working with cellular memory. And the person who was telling me about it, I just got a gigantic yes. And before he even told me what it was, he said, I'm coming. I felt something light up in my body. And I went along to that workshop and within 30 to 45 minutes, I was experiencing a full-on cathartic release. Um, The only thing I could compare it to at that time was doing ecstasy or any of the drugs I'd been taking. It was profound. And he was just sitting, you know, eight feet away on his little chair, not doing anything. We were in introductions. And I remember thinking, okay, um, uh, I was accepted to many universities. I was on a year out. I was definitely, you know, on track to pursue the full-on academic career. And I realized, no, this is my university. I want to, I need to study the, how the universe works. And so I call it the universe's university. And that became my classroom. I was like, okay, I, I got a six month visa for the U.S. I sold everything I owned. I, I just gave it all up and headed over and followed my teacher around like a crazy person. <laughs> and eventually moved in eventually married him eventually took over the global business and yeah just it went international and got to go to many different countries and haven't looked back really obviously <laughs> beautiful thanks so much for that context and thank you for your vulnerability mm-hmm. in the tough times of your past and the troubles and this show talks a lot about comparative religion so i have to just kind of mention interestingly how Protestant Catholic parents and the intermediary between them during that period. I mean, that, that the war was very much about those two sectarian differences. That's right. So fascinating um, that you were, you know, on the front front line, so to speak, of that. But um, thrilled that you, you know, came out of all of that and transformed through this work. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, I guess that that realization for you or or that cathartic release of 30 minutes, you said 30 to 45 minutes. Is that unique to um, your experience? Like how common is having like such a breakthrough like that that early? I mean, that seems pretty significant and early, you know. Oh, yeah. In my in my work in particular, you mean Um, pretty common. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, pretty common. Um, mm. it depends on the uniqueness of the individual and their relationship, their direct relationship with the universe. But, um, I mean, ultimately what's happening in the cellular transformation space is 
having gone through the purification process myself for 16, 17 years with my teacher sitting in what you would call like a very high transmission of light coming through that light took my body through the transformational process, which really the intelligence of it for whatever reason, it penetrates the cells of the body and it starts to unravel and unlock whatever we're carrying that is not expanding energy. So if we're not in a process of expansion, which is just how, you know, the nature of the universe and we're, we are wearing on the inside patterns of contraction, which is fear-based patterns, trauma, in other words, that light is going to inflate on the inside like an inflating balloon. It's going to push it all out in the open, which is also a Kundalini awakening process. It's a very traditional, ancient process of transformation. And having sat and committed to that process for so many years, letting it clear me, like clearing out the old closet of all the bits and pieces that don't fit anymore, I, I opened my own channel. So eventually, it was after about 12 and a half, 13 years of you know just being a real hardcore committed student that eventually something blew open inside and that channel opened and there's no marketing ever in our work like we don't market we don't push it's all word of mouth it's all done by invitation so all of a sudden then i was invited to go out and do workshops and do sessions with people which is how we like it that's how the universe works on divine timing rather than our timing and um, so there's no pushing. It's not like the old world way, the old male way of pushing to make things happen out of your own strength. It's very much the feminine aspect of the universe, her intelligence, what country, what city, what people does she want to work with? Because it really has nothing to do with me. And so in the space itself, um, there's a, maybe a 30, 45 minute initial opening of meditative music, spiritual music, just to bring that light through and it starts cooking it's kind of like a pressure cooker, <laughs> and it starts working and the water start bubbling exactly. to the top oh, <laughs> stirring the cauldron in the middle <laughs> and before you know it layers start coming to the surface and it's kind of hard to comprehend intellectually because it very much is beneath the mind right. and there's no pen and paper there's no agenda we have a couple of breaks in a day um there is a technique which i'll talk about in a minute but it's very basic. But in a nutshell, I'm teaching everyone, just as I have learned, how to listen to the Tao, how to listen to that intelligent energy field, which we also could call the feminine aspect of the universe or the intuitive intelligence, and let it be the healer and the teacher in the space. Let it, it is the guide. And my job has been to learn how to follow it and read it and act on it. So when it's imprinting up through the body, you know, okay, I trust this, this expansion or movement in me. And I learned in time that by doing that, which is really just learning how to step into my power. It's learning how to be tr the true Jennifer that I am in the world and not hold back my light and my brilliance and my bigness and, and who I am, that you become a vehicle for the divine intelligence of the universe to work through you to touch other people. And that's when we're at our happiest. It doesn't matter what vehicle we're using, whether it's in the arts or business, it doesn't matter, but the art is being out of the way. How do I get out of the way so the Tao can flow through and do what it wants to do? So a life of service, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and, and vesselhood. Pardon? Yeah. 
Vesselhood yes, uh, is the key. It sounds like I, we've we've talked a little bit about. I'm I'm lucky enough to um, have a, a mentorship of an Apache shaman mm-hmm. in my life, and um, a, a lot of what you're talking about, uh, you know, resonates from the aspect of, um, you know, really the whole thing from the from the aspect of like surrender and trust is something that he talks a lot about, and a lot of I mean I think perennial wisdom too among like religious systems, the true message, if you will, of spirituality and of kind of the, uh, you know, getting beyond the dogmatic and the institutional. But, you know, what you're talking about to me is right on as far as kind of quieting and, uh, you know, that, that analytical mind yes. is, is the blocker. And that's what's exactly. preventing us from hearing the, the, the true and hearing the real exactly. underneath. And that's, that's yeah. the Beautiful. primary point and why I'm so grateful I found my teacher because in a way it was a un- almost a unique form of a martial art in a spiritual sense mm. because wow. we call the intellect lesser mind and the dantian mm. or the hara in your lower belly, just below your belly button, that's greater mind. And lesser mind is designed to interpret greater mind, not the other way around. It's not designed to run the show mm. on So... It's one thing talking about that and understanding, okay, our intellect is designed to really back up our sixth sense in a way. Our five senses are the way we express the intelligence of the universe, the creative intelligence. If, But the thing is, it's one thing to understand that. <laughs> Even the study of psychology, <laughs> that's my background. Conceptually. It's often, yeah. you know, it's the study of emotions through, through the mind. But I found a classroom in life with my teacher where we were studying emotion and intuition through emotion, <laughs> actually through feeling. So that's why there's not a lot of pen and paper. Mm. It's we're going to get down and we're going to get dirty and we're going to get real and we're going to get into the real feelings and learn how to read them and talk about them and, and work with them in a similar manner that you would academically, except you're doing it through the body. And that's the key because you can't actually mm. ever help another person well, you can only take them as far as you've gone yourself. And if you're, I mean, I've met people in India that have memorized the Bhagavad Gita. I mean, there's, we can do a lot to pipe up and strengthen our mind, but it's what we do through the body. I've, I've learned it's what we let mm, go of experiential. Yes. At the cellular level that whether you're speaking to another person or not, they're going to receive that through osmosis around you. Mm. That's structure that you built in your life. Well said. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying everything you're <laughs> you're uh, getting into already. I'm not surprised. Um, Ryan, do you want to add to uh, to what to Jen's talk? I, I want to yeah. get into more about the mechanics of and like even maybe towards uh, towards the end, like uh, practical usage of possibly. But in the meantime, I'm happy. I, I like to go through the the mechanics. We also we did a metaphysical episode, Jen, where we talked about. Um, kind of chakric and astral and all those things and you know i think what we try to do on this show before before i pass the baton to ryan what what we try to do on this show is kind of look at a variety of paths and see what their characteristics are and kind of you know sign pointers i guess is kind of a role i like to play where it's like 
oh, you're into like mindful secular work and like mind training. Okay, well, that might be the mindfulness, modern mindfulness movement or stoicism or something like, you know, check that out. Or, okay, you know, you're into the astral and chakric and, you know, you read astrology and things like that. Okay, well, Yogananda might be an interesting read for you, you know, and kind of assessing a variety of ways up the mountain, so to speak, because there's only one summit. But there's many paths, and so, you know, that's what we try to uh, discuss and go through and examine, um, you know, what is the intro says something like the mystics, it's unspeakable, but we'll talk about it anyway, kind of thing. <laughs> so, anyway, that's kind of more on, like, what the show is specifically, but um, but this is all, like, very much in line with what we talk about and and vesselhood and, you know, allowing that kind of cosmic creator uh quality when inherent in all beings to come through so um we're right there with you mm -hmm. yeah <clears throat> yeah i uh just yeah thanks jen for beautifully explaining your work again i i mean every time you talk about it i'm just yeah uh intently listening and just <laughs> I, receiving I, I, and i i was looking at the rest of our team and i think all of them were feeling right. the same. So, um i appreciate that um yeah i mean this work obviously has been incredibly powerful mm -hmm. for me um i met jen in the spring of uh last year 2019 um and um started yeah coming to the group sessions, I met Jen through um, her stepdaughter, Kaylee, who is my partner, um, and started coming to the group sessions and um, was unlike anything I had ever experienced. You know, my entire spiritual practice up to that point was uh, a lot of, yeah, studying Buddhism and Hinduism, a lot of mindfulness, um, and uh, I was generally a pretty reserved um, and you know, peaceful guy. That's kind of the way I've always uh, been. Um, and uh, this work um, really kind of got me out of my shell. Um, I think that would be the best way to describe it. Um, mm. I, uh, it really started to shift things in me. And the biggest shift happened when I went to a, a three-day workshop. No, actually a six-day workshop in BC. Um, and that was that summer, just a few months after. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just the um, vulnerability uh, of sitting in a circle and expressing yourself to a group of people. And when I started, it was a group of strangers, you know, and that's how it is for a lot of people coming into it. And it's really scary. Um, but the, f the connection I was feeling immediately just through that process of sharing in a circle was unlike anything I had experienced before. Um, it like really breaks you down um, pretty mm -hmm. quickly. Uh, it allows you to really bring down the walls really quickly, um, especially when you're encouraged and supported and loved by a group of people in a space like that. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. I had a really big breakthrough at, at the first workshop. Um, and Jen and Kaylee were both right there just really helping me. Um, addressing me, honestly, just giving me the hard truth about the patterns that they were seeing in me, which was difficult to hear, but um, I trusted them and I, I trusted what they were saying. And um, and yeah, I, I really learned how to, I mean, the biggest um, 
the biggest healing for me um, was really learning how to, as Jen said earlier, is like step into my power and trust myself and speak my truth and not be afraid of clean anger. Um, that was one of the biggest moments for me. Um, studying, you know, Buddhism and, and mindfulness, I, I just had it ingrained in my head that anger was never the answer. Um, and what I was doing uh, oftentimes when actual, I had a right to be angry about things, um, I was just stuffing those feelings. And those feelings were just being stuffed into my gut. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, for context, um, I, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2016. Um, really, really struggled with it for a few years. Spent some time in the hospital. I lost a lot of weight. Um, it completely took over my life. And that's when I met Kaylee and Jennifer. And um, yeah, and it's been an In the midst of one of your, you know, you kind of had peaks and valleys and peaks mm -hmm. and valleys, but you couldn't quite overcome it yeah. until you met yep. these women. I felt like I, um, you know, I did a lot of stuff. I did a lot of fasting and yeah. all the supplements and all the diets and I did everything and I made a lot of progress and I learned so much about food and how the body works and yeah. when it came to the physical body, I felt like I had really explored a lot. I had learned a lot, but there was something missing. Yeah. And I actually had, um, yeah, this is actually kind of a crazy story. I had uh, an epiphany on um, Christmas Eve, uh, 2018. I was at my parents' house in Michigan and um, just kind of um, at a... Mm -hmm. It's a moment when That's I go home uh, for Christmas every year um, and spend time with my family. It's a moment. It's a time of reflection for me. Um, you know, I'm away from my Austin friends. I'm with my family. I get time just to kind of um, hang out and and I get alone time too. And it naturally brings up a lot of re reflection for me because I'm in my childhood home. Mm -hmm. And, um, sure. I, I realized, um, I remember this moment, um, that I had done everything I could do in a physical sense. And the last remaining bit of healing my disease was a spiritual problem. And I kind of knew that all along, but I was, I wasn't really putting my, 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 my energy there. And, um, and I, I made a decision that night that I was going to shift course and that this is a this is a spiritual problem that I needed to address and fix. And um, got back to Austin, made a I dedicated myself. I started meditating every day. Um, that was the first step. I was like, I'm going to meditate every single day um, just as a first step into opening my really shifting my focus back into my spiritual practice and opening myself up Um and less than a month later, the end of January, I met Kaylee. Um, yeah, beautiful. just in divine timing, just so really, beautiful. really incredible. Um, and then, you know, a month later after that, I met Jennifer and the rest is history. So your shift into willingness, your conscious effort mm -hmm. to notice that you had kind of really nothing else you already you tried everything from the physical and i think for me and i i 
I have to caution or I'm aware of my angle about this, but like, cause I'm very like, see, it's mental and spiritual. <laughs> that is, that's like the wrong energy a little bit. Cause it's like, you were on, always the one, but you were always the one that <laughs> well, was trying to just gently remind me that, um, that to kind of focus my energy back on that, you know, this is, this is a spiritual thing right. and this is a, this is a, a mental thing. And, and, and what, well, thank you. What I am trying to avoid in, in, in playing that role is like the dismissive totally. quality yeah. of like pain and empathy and love it's just in your head. Yeah. It's just in your head, buddy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. I, Not I'll, tell very you, warm. I'll tell you, I, I remember those moments and um, there was, yeah. I, I'd say about one third of me, Maybe half of me was angry at you for saying it because <laughs> no, I was sure. like, "You have no idea what I'm going through." <laughs> and right? well deserved. You have no idea yeah. how much pain I'm going through. And, and also, other... I was still drinking, and you're not. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then the other two thirds and half you're of being me vegan. was like, "He's right. I know he's right." And um, so I, I really appreciate that. Well, isn't it interesting though, too, that what you say is a spiritual problem is actually a power problem. Yeah. It was. Mm. It, what was revealed is it's a power. Totally. In other words, pain was actually an opportunity. The wisdom within the pain revealed the opportunity mm. for you to step into your power. Mm. And you healed Ryan by healing a split, yep. a very yep. deep split from the natural flow or river of, of power moving through your body, yes. river of energy, yep. which is just love. Ultimately, mm. it just has many faces and the face that was being discriminated against in your psyche was anger and bottom line truth. And for me personally, I had um, eating disorder, I still have here and there, but it fundamentally healed a massive chunk of it in my 20s. Um, and I, I too experienced profound transformation with that when my teacher, who was a no bullshit, get to the bottom line kind of guy, I had seen many therapists. I'd tried all kinds of modalities. I'd tried meditating. None of it was going to touch the Everest of trauma that I had in my body. I needed something that was a fire hose that was going to really blow it apart. And it was his truth. Not only his gift, yes, the gift of bringing through light, absolutely. But where did that come from? How did he actually open his channel in the first place? It was by learning how to trust his power, which is the chi moving through the body and fearlessly express it in the world. So I learned how to speak my truth at a very profound level in places that would scare the bejesus out of anybody and make you want to hide and run. Mm -hmm. And, and that was a massive part of my transformation. And as I did that, I also started toning the muscle of intuitive clarity because the more you trust the universe moving through you, the, more toned that muscle gets and you become more perceptive and much more aware. So then you're not at the mercy of the conditioning and programming that's always pulling and hooking you outside externally. Um, you're more in alignment with what's going on inside of you and are looking always in. I'm always teaching about you've got a, a one eye and one ear always on your Dantian on the, the hub of what God's mouthpiece in your body. What is, mm. what is it saying all the time? What am I feeling all the time? When this person's speaking to me, am I getting disconnected? Am I feeling uncomfortable, irritated? Because you can't always trust what a person's saying. You know, there's, we're operating out of ego and trauma a lot. 
and you want to learn to read the energy that's underneath. So when I met you, Ryan, you're a beautiful, sweet, gentle soul and, you know, ticking all the boxes of Mr. Perfect in that way. But at the body <laughs> level, what I picked up immediately was the split from the lower half of your body. You weren't connected to it. So there was a performance going on of, well, I'll get love if I behave this way and interact with my world this way. And it's gotten me this far, pat myself on the back, well done. But at the, in the process of <laughs> Crohn's disease, I've created an issue with my, my gut. So getting energy back down into your, which is really your hara, I mean, that's the intestinal right, area. Right. And you had to learn to back up the chi that's moving through that part of your body. Mm -hmm which is the intuition. Most people assume the intuition is the heart. But if you look at the Dantians and the mm. way the chakra system works, and my, I mean, my personal experience, nobody will tell me otherwise, the intuitive hub and muscle is down in the lower gut area. Um, my gut instinct, right? Yes, that's and what it's so, called, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I feel so it in my gut. Wow. Yeah. You feel it in the gut. And guts I heard on a podcast recently getting under the surface so you're getting down that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and once you have as I always show people too once the Dantian and the power center that's the best name for it the power center is awake and open and listening and alive and fully backed up the heart the middle Dantian explodes open and so does the upper Dantian and everything in between but if our lower chakras, our sexuality, if that's all shut down, then in a sense, our heart is at half par and, and our intuitive or our awareness and connection to the universe is at half par. So Ryan, your healing came from learning how to face the fear yep. of this is how I'm really feeling right now. This is what I really feel I need to say to my roommates or my buddies or my friends or my girlfriends mm -hmm. or whatever it happens to be my family mm -hmm. and i've been terrified to do so because i'll hurt their feelings or all this or that yep. so that's and really that, that disconnect was causing him that dissonance yeah, because I, where yeah where does energy go you know if, if energy, yeah. energy you can control it and put a lid on it and shove it down and suppress it but it will show up in our body somewhere it has to or in our body of affairs our external relationships with the world so all of it is written in the energy like the energy never lies and when we our body is an instrument designed to read energy that's what this incredible thing is tuning fork. And it's a tuning fork exactly and we're we're raised in conditioned realities that sever us from that capacity to hear and yeah we need to numb and we need to protect because there's a lot of trauma and violence in the world yes but if we can learn how to refeel again and the only way you're going to really feel again is if you own your outer adult in the world so that that inner child that's very vulnerable and very sensitive can feel safe to come out. It's not that that vulnerability and awareness and tuned in aspect is not going to come out if we are weak and not backing ourselves up. Hmm. So it's one thing, the cellular transformation process, this is a good example of showing the two components to it where it's very much the kind of acute get right in, work directly with this powerful, potent spiritual energy to let it do the, um, the healing at the cellular level and, and working directly in the body with that. But it doesn't just leave it there like some modalities do, where you just go in and have a powerful experience, boom, you feel the Holy Spirit, it's amazing, it's mind-blowing, and wow, 
but it also gives you structure it empowerment mm -hmm. structure on how to actually live that way and maintain that expansion in your life thereafter yep. which is for you ryan it was learning to back up your truth yep that's spot on practical application yeah. yeah and that's true and i i yeah i can't tell you how many times since last summer i've um i've chosen to speak my truth in situations where um it sounded totally terrifying to try and <laughs> say how i really feel about this situation um but knowing that that's what I'm feeling in my gut and I have to, once I realized the, how much um, damage that was doing to my body by not speaking my truth, at that point, I don't have a choice. Like I, I, will, I will gladly be doing that than, <laughs> than go through what I went through. Like yeah. it is, it's a no brainer for me. And um, even though it's totally terrifying and I never, you know, it's always, it's scary to, especially when you're in conflict with someone to like really express how you really feel. Um, especially someone maybe that you really love and someone that's really close to you because you don't want to cause separation. You don't want to cause conflict. It's really hard, but, um, and I, you I'll have given me some more critical things lately. I thanks Jen. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It, that's actually very true, Bob. I, my relationship with you has shifted too. I mean, I, there's been moments where I have been just way more straightforward about how I feel about something rather than yeah. kind of dancing around it or um, no, extremely useful. Yeah. Believe me. I think that's extremely useful. And I mean, my two things I would want to say to that is one is, you know, Jen, I think the, the endorsement from Ryan the pretty much the first thing that he'll say or has said about either telling me or when I hear him tell uh, other people, um, you know, your, your fearlessness of the truth and like directness and like the power in that is like, that's like the number one descriptor kind of that he uses about your work and your teaching. And that is extremely alluring to me, but in a world of people dancing around, I mean, I think, it's such a unique uh, space because we're all just kind of ma mask wearers, you know, in a sense. Uh, so many people are and the vulnerability and, and you know, right. that, that, that firm commitment to vulnerability and truth is, is extremely useful and extremely powerful. And um, two, I think what I would like to hear more about, and we could talk more about that, but what, what I would hear, what I would like to hear about is uh, there's such an interesting symbolic connection between the like in Ryan's story, the gut and kind of his hesitation in speaking that and how it related like somatically, is that the right word to the body's function? Um, what are some other examples of that? Just from like a, um, some, you know, being new to this work, like what are some other like symbolic connections to a trait or a spiritual kind of, well, first thing yeah. that comes to mind, I had a yeah. session with a beautiful woman in, well, I forget, which country and it was a fascinating story and this happens a lot but this one comes to mind she her, let's say is mid 40s has a son um, who was really struggling he's about seven eight years old and had a phobia around being touched around his kind of pelvis and upper legs area would mm. it was such a, a phobia that he would only allow his mom and dad to put on one pair of shorts ever. So they were working with him. Um, mm. They'd been working with all kinds of therapists for a long time. And 
she brought that story in initially and then I just continued working with her. And as we went down through her history of growing up in Europe and attending a Catholic school run by nuns and how it unraveled the story, the narrative of where as a child she was scolded in class for getting something wrong and the, the teacher, the nun made her come and stand up on a, on a wooden box and I guess she whipped her with a ruler or something across her bum and thighs and leg area. And as we were processing through and that story was unraveling from her history, she started shaking and releasing and real, and we saw the connection with her son. Mm, wow. Taken that trauma um, and through her body because all the areas that she was beaten and so horrifically shamed, I mean, in front of the class, you know, a horrible situation and how that kind of skipped her consciousness in a sense and went down to her son. So within a few weeks thereafter, as she got in touch with the emotional aspect of it and released that, then lo and behold, he started to heal and soften and let go. So that is very common, very, very common. And I, I was telling my dad recently when I was home how what I have learned in working with thousands of people with all kinds of traumas that the universe will heal, ask the right questions. It's like, like that process of inquiry I was talking about. It's like, okay, I will ask questions to, it's almost like following the bouncing ball of where the expansion of energy wants me to go with the client Mm. so that I peel back all the curtains and I'm getting down to what is that origin story? Mm. What's that? A creation myth of the trauma, so to speak. Sure. And get down to that point, and that we'll always find it. And there's something being held in there, and it's always a trauma created by something in your external environment taking your power away. Period. Mm-hmm. End of story. Yeah. Whether you're two years old or you're in the womb, or it doesn't matter what it is, sitting around a dinner table and your father screams at you. Sexual abuse doesn't matter what it is. It's a story, a human story that was written into the cells of our being. And I feel that when the purpose of the intelligence of the universe is to work with us to get in and unravel those stories. And it's like pulling on a th- pulling on thread on a on a spool. And eventually mm. you get down to the bottom and then you want to rewrite that story. And rewriting that story is the empowerment piece of owning what would you have said at three years old if you were in your power? What would, what action would you have taken then? And let that fill the cells of your body. And that's mm, where beautiful huge a clearing and a rewriting and yeah. Yes. yeah. Oh, wow. We're made up. We are, we are made up of this, the human story. Now that's where it all originates from. Very interesting story. Thank you so much for that, because that that opens up many possibilities we could go into. Um, I mean, I think subconscious carrying, you know, is every human probably like I feel like that's a civilization. We're just afflicted with all everyone's just carrying around our subconscious generational past traumas and generational. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the tying to previous ancestor that's very interesting also yeah oh yeah well you really see that when you work in different countries like working in germany and all the 
done so much work with the war and how that still lives on in sure. our body mm -hmm. today. It is Ireland with the Catholic Church and the you know the British. I mean, I've worked in so many countries. They all have their own unique flavor. What's personal mm. trauma turns out once you peel back the first layers after a few days of, of a workshop, it starts to become a collective trauma. You start yeah. to get into the, the history of the country, mm -hmm. the history of the continent, like what's happened mm. and realizing, oh my goodness, this pain in my left leg, the, you know, the, the shame that I feel deep in my core actually is connected to something that may have happened three, 400 years ago that I had no idea about. So fascinating when you were explaining that aspect in another interview that i listened to because i prepared because you're important um i did some research um i'm i'm really interested in this uh biologist doc do you know dr rupert sheldrake at all have you heard of him um because he has a theory called morphic resonance and I'm not a biologist, but I thought I would mention it, um, particularly around the ancestral carrying. Um, basically, his theory was um, that we are the cells that create life are uh, they don't hold enough information. Essentially, um, self-organizing systems. What he suggests is there is actually a memory in nature that um is habitual uh, let's see the hypothesis of morphic resonance leads to a radically new interpretation of memory storage in the brain and biological inheritance memory need not be stored in material traces inside brains which are more like tv receivers than video recorders mm -hmm. biological inheritance need not all be coded in the genes or in an epigenetic modification of the genes much of it depends on morphic resonance from previous members of the species Sounds similar. So, so thus, wait, it says, thus each individual inherits a collective memory right. from past members of the species and also contributes to the collective memory. Uh, you know, a couple of zygotes in the egg fertilized by a s sperm cell. Like, you know, there, there's a lot of development that comes out of that. We have eyes and respiratory systems and touch and like it's a very advanced unflowering. And that's true for all cells right i mean um you know the, the 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 seed of an oak tree that carries the information for bark creation and uh you know uh, height and altitude like there's just a lot of complex systems that come out of not much information and so he's suggesting that that you know it sounds similar to me like it might be a parallel in 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 that generational transference of information well, the way I yeah yeah, the way, the way I look at it is we are we are evolution. I mean, how, you, how can you not? How can yeah. you be separate process of evolution? It's an intelligent <clears throat> process, and we right. are that. But what I've learned is that through time, what expands us is evolving. Right? We're we're evolving all the time in, in nature of what is good and what serves us, and we're also experiencing a process of evolution in what contracts us. That's the fear based element. So the trauma of wars from generations past, all that collective trauma accumulates and culminates and keeps evolving itself as well. And we want to take the time in our lives to, for, to access what is working inside of us that's creating contraction so that we can learn how to alchemize it and get on track 
with what expands us because then life is much easier much much easier so you can't escape or deny the intelligence it's you say we speak of what we can't speak of i mean the the nature of this podcast is what the dao is pointing to it's so profoundly intelligent we were fools to even try to think about it and figure it out better to get out of the way let's get out of its way and learn how to work with it directly that's that's the way i've the philosophy of my life how can i serve you great spirit i call it the great spirit because my teacher did but divine intelligence yeah. universe Tao, whatever you want to call it how can i get out of the way and, and serve you what does that remove look like? our own obstacles remove our own self-limitations that prevent that that transmission absolutely yeah because in a workshop i mean ryan will attest to this in a workshop you witness things unraveling and the synchronicity of how one person's release or healing then triggers mm-hmm. people and how it unravels. I used to honestly sit back. I wish I had popcorn because I'd just be sitting there. <laughs> what orchestrating this? This is profound. Sure. That's what I fell in love with. And and I was like I said, I was atheist. So when I went to my first workshop, I thought this is like a big physics experiment. <laughs> like what is going on? Mm-hmm. And it happened to be this having language that was divine and holy, but ultimately to me, it could have been a science experiment. I had to, it was the same thing. Isn't that weird how there's coincidences in every workshop just randomly? <laughs> like how many, how many, yeah, how many dozen times, you know, it's like, no, it's, was it's it the like, 20th time that you saw it unravel? Like how, how many does it take for a skeptic to like, open up to the higher possibility of that kind of energy. I love it. I love it when skeptics come to workshops. I just like, ah, here we go. It's too juicy. It's too powerful. (laughs) Yeah. And you realize that there is just something so much bigger than us orchestrating the whole thing. We can learn how to develop a relationship with that, that greater intelligence. We are light years ahead of whatever aspect of us that was trying to control it so we get in trouble when we try to actually think i'm in charge and i can run the show here and that's when we suffer i mean to me that's the that's the nature of Ducca right there so there's an interesting duality too and i'm happy to i feel like i'm blabbing all the whole show and i want to let my co co panelists add to the conversation but i'm just transfixed by jennifer um and i'm caffeinated but um (laughs) it seems like there's an interesting duality to stepping into the power and also surrendering to i think to somebody that might be new to spiritual material that kind of psychological duality really i guess is what it is juxtaposition of you know i think we associate in, in kind of the materialist West, we say strength is taking, you know, or power is kind of that conscious decision making or, you know, forcefulness that, um, you know, whereas what we're, what, what sounds like what we're talking about is not quite that. The strength is in the surrender right, yeah. almost. The vulnerability is the strength, mm-hmm. right? Vulnerability mm-hmm. is your greatest power. It is, it's one of the fundamental teachings of this work and any work really that's doing good. Vulnerability is the key to transformation always. And vulnerability is not being shaky, quivering, um, tender, mm-hmm. you know, reserved, introverted. No, vulnerability can also be 
screaming at the top of your lungs in holy fury at an atrocity that's happened. And vulnerability is a place of surrender and a death of control that takes place Mm. in the psyche and in the mind. And when you fall down and you face that fear of something dying inside of you, your ego, your shell, your protection mechanism, and it melts and falls away, then whatever emotion on the emotional spectrum that pierces through that, doesn't matter what it is, then it has vulnerability behind it, which means it's connected to the universe, which means there's love in it and it's going to expand everybody. And that's what we mean by clean anger. And even when we were talking about truth speaking earlier, it's very important to note that it's not an arrogant, self-righteous, I'm speak, you know, I'm going to speak my truth because I'm right. It's very much, it's conscious communication. In other words, it's got to come from your Dantian. It's got to come from your power center, which means it's vulnerable and raw and it's not arrogant on any it's the opposite of arrogance and that place is we all want to be there but we've all been traumatized away from it so we've learned to toughen up and tighten up and communicate from a place of protection basically but there's only so much light can come through our body and our sharing and our creativity when we have all those stop shorts or those blocks in there so vulnerability is a huge part and right next to vulnerability is having a, having the courage to face fear mm-hmm. so it's almost like it's i'm just writing about all this in my book at the moment there's like a sandwich effect where you have vulnerability you have to be willing to be vulnerable as you drop into fear and fear is such a vital pathway to liberation because if you're not willing to face fear and step out of your comfort zone and have beginner's mind you're not going to get very far because our programs are they, they're controlling our mind and they're all rooted in fear. And if you want to right below the fear, then is or through the fear is another layer of vulnerability and below that mm-hmm. is love. Mm-hmm. So it's a pattern of learning how to get off the crust, the surface self, which is all controlled and tight and has it held together and thinks it's perfect in the world in some regard. Um, or the opposite, and then learning to fall all the way down through the fear to get back to the love underneath. Yeah, yeah, I would, um, I would second that too. I mean, I, I'd say one of the biggest teachings um, that I've learned um, from you, Jen, and, and your work is um, taking every opportunity I can to step into fear. And the thing you've always said is like, what, what sounds more scary? when I'm thinking about something and I'm like, well, this sounds more scary. And okay, that way, that's the way that you go. And, um, that, and I've followed that. I have followed that, um, so intently and, um, it has just, it has changed my life. I mean, it expands me in ways that, um, is inexplainable. Um, that process of always stepping into fear, it, it's like a, a sharpening um, of becoming fearless, you know, and um, and every time I do it, I get a little bit sharper and just w- willingness to just step into fear wherever, however it comes at me. And um, and so, yeah, I, I, that's been a huge teaching for me is just stepping into fear as much as possible. Whatever sounds most scary, that's the way I'm going to go. Wow. I love that. And I'm sure kind <laughs> of at the beginning, so it's really great hearing your whole experience, Ryan, because we're also hearing about your teacher all on the same podcast. So it's great that we can ask questions of, you know, your experience going through this. And I just love to hear a little bit more, especially as a listener, um, listening to this, 
to, to Jen's point, we all want to be in that vulnerable space. And then there's that fear of getting there. Right. And so getting out of our own way, what was, I would just love to hear a little bit more, Ryan, I'm sure it was a little bit harder at the beginning or the fear that you felt. So I'd love to hear you almost like train that muscle of the more you're stepping into fear, the more it's almost empowering. Am I, am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think what came with that was a, a shift in perspective, mm-hmm. too. Um, one of the things that um, Jen really pushed for me um, in the beginning, and all this really, I, I'm thinking of the BC workshop. That's where a lot of this kind of, it was a big push for me. Um, but um, a, a huge component to stepping into fear is not playing victim and not victimizing myself. Um, oftentimes with my disease, mm-hmm. I was victimizing myself. I was just you know, I can't, that sounds scary. Um, and I, I don't know if I can do that because of, um, because I have this thing and I have this thing and it might hurt me in this way. I was often related to food or pushing my body physically going on a difficult hike or something like that. I, before I even, if it would come in, you know, coming into my consciousness, I'd be like, I I don't, I'm already anticipating pain afterwards. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I'm victimizing Mm -hmm. myself. Preventative resistance yeah yeah and jen really helped me just like just cut that out like stop that that is not helping you at all um shift flip that you know when something comes at you that sounds challenging empower yourself like you you are going to be a stronger better person on the other side of it thank you universe for bringing me this challenge and allowing me to become a stronger person stepping into that so that was a that was a big shift um just like flipping my perspective on difficult things that were coming my way. Um, Not being like, why is the universe throwing all this stuff at me? But thank you universe for throwing all this hard stuff at me. These are the tools that I'm using to step into fear, you know? And I want to just add, it's important for listeners too, that that's because you were ready for that. I I do not prescribe that to everyone who has physical issues, but that's where you have to listen to the the deeper Tao, I call it. Um, Because certain people, it's like, you need to be very careful with what you're dealing with. But for you personally, Ryan, you were ready and the energy was revealing that you were ready based on the fact that those behaviors of self-victimization were creating a lot of irritation Mm -hmm. and a lot of anger in those around you. And you could feel the control Mm -hmm. energetically. Mm -hmm. And that's always a telltale sign when people around you are getting irritated by the victim process and feeling guilty that if they say something, they're being mean, because how can you say this to someone who has a, you know, a gut disease? Those are telltale signs. And, and I really listened very deeply, and as did Kaylee too, and others, and realized, no, the universe is, Ryan's ready. You're, right, you're ready to make a leap. Yeah. So I just yeah. wanted to make sure and totally. emphasize that. Very useful disclaimer, I think, on the subtleties, psychologically and energetically of that process. And, and, and Jen, I mean, I think too, like, Melina, I'm glad you're bringing up the listener because I've been transfixed just for my own self. But maybe it might be useful to talk about who who is this work uh, for? You know, who who who's the ideal candidate? I mean, I think willingness is sounds like a key component. But well, yeah. uh, starting That's, with someone, yeah. someone who uh, is ready to really deepen their relationship with the intelligence of the universe is my number mm. one point. Hungry hungry for Mm. growth and transformation and expansion 
something's maybe missing in their lives. They've tried so many different modalities and things and meditating and they're doing all that good stuff and there's something still missing. Um, yes, people who are struggling with physical issues and mental emotional issues, for sure. I get a lot of that. But the ones who really stick and make it a lifestyle are people who are ready to let go of the old world way of being and step out into aliveness and and developing a relationship with themselves and stepping into their own power and your whatever your purpose is if you're hungry to find your purpose in life and want it to have something to do with service and getting out of the way then this is a really great lifestyle it's a way of learning how to serve the divine ultimately in all things yeah i would you oh good yeah i was gonna say i feel like i'm just taking a lot of notes uh right now as the as this outsider i mean i i sometimes i feel like i'm ryan spiritually from like five to ten years ago (laughs) um just because i we we, sh- we share a lot of similarities. Um, you know, we're, we're both pretty mild mannered guys. You know, we're like, I remember as a kid, people being like, you know, how do you do it? How are you so like relaxed and laid back all the time? And, and, and I do feel that genuinely feel that way most of the time. But as I've gotten older, I've like learned new things about myself, about my family, about like uh, family trauma. Like I knew of one of them, but I uh, discovered of, of more, you know, like, family trauma that I didn't know about. And, um, and so I'm, I'm processing a lot of it as I go and, and trying to step into things that, you know, are naturally I'm afraid of, or that make me vulnerable, such as talking on this podcast right now. Like it took me, it was kind of hard to do that at first. And and I felt better after I started doing it, but, uh, but I just, uh, and, and, you know, surprise, surprise, I've had (laughs) digestion issues for years. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And, and it, it really came to a head a few years ago and, and, you know, did it same as Ryan went through all kinds of, you know, physical diet, uh, supplement, blah, 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 all that stuff. And, and it helped, but it's not, it didn't solve the problem. You know, like I, I use medicine to, to keep it under control and, you know, things like that. So, um, I, I guess all that to say, I'm just like, it's I'm probably you know an excellent candidate for this process and, and my voice often <laughs> yeah. in this podcast is at, from the outsider I don't have as strong a spiritual practice as as um as y'all do and so I'm like I'm uh trying to learn how to um how to get there yeah we actually so just I'm made this podcast for Scott <laughs> we say we yeah, broadcast yeah, it but it's my, mostly just so uh, we can uh, help him and uh <laughs> no you I appreciate your vulnerability, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. I'm over here tearing up just yeah. hearing this whole conversation. So <laughs> it's very powerful. Yeah, me too. I mean, I too had, I too had really, uh, my intestines were messed up. I started making myself sick at 13 and went through hell with eating disorders. And all through my 20s, it was mm. eliminating gluten and dairy and caffeine and sugar and going raw and do, I mm. tried everything under the sun. And I do think that, that yeah. once we start getting on the path, so to speak, there's very much the physical, right? That's the, the bricks and mortar of our being very much has to be cleaned mm. out. And I, I guess for me, the physical was great and important and really helped, but it was 
the continuing to mm-hmm. thaw, continuing to go down emotional layer into the spiritual core. Yeah. That's where I found my power. That's where I found my gifts, basically. Yeah. Yeah, Beautiful. I tend to rely on the intellect a lot for, for things like these. And I've always treasured that, and, and I still do. But I uh, maybe in the last year have realized that, and I think Bob says it sometimes, I don't know where it comes from, but it's like the intellect is a, is a wonderful servant and a terrible master. Um, and so I've been trying to keep that in mind. And I earlier in the year, I just wrote something down on a piece of paper that ended up using for some music. But it was just the line... I've been afraid of what I think of for my whole life. Uh, I've been afraid of, of, of like what's inside me. And so that's, uh, I think I'm just like, just not getting to those kinds of realizations, I guess. And thank you for sharing that. And I think that's right on. And I, what I feel for you too, and many like you is mm. that intellect and holding on to that world of intellect um, can often be, like for you, I feel you're a very vulnerable person and a very loving person. And that just emanates off of you very clearly. And the kind of sanctuary of the mind can also be a safe haven in a world that just doesn't quite know how to relate to that fully. So I suspect yeah. that for you, as you keep deepening into onto your path and unraveling, that you'll not have to depend upon that intellectual sanctuary as much as as when you start creating a world around you that can meet you fully in that tenderness and that openness really do you guys agree yeah absolutely yeah the balance between those two worlds yeah it's a ramakrishna quote by the way it's a hindu guru we're just kind of i just parrot hindu gurus i have very few original thoughts Um, this is another one though, actually to, uh, Sri Ramana says, let what comes come, let what goes go, find out what remains. That's one of the best. It's beautiful. Yeah. This, this process, this practice, I mean, and, and to, to Jen's point, I, I mean, she has a unique practice and a unique application and there's a unique quality to her work specifically but also it does i mean a lot of what you're talking about i think does line up with that perennial wisdom i love how jen you pepper in kind of eastern philosophy and the Tao and the chi and um you know i'm really into all of that kind of cross-pollination of systems because because again i think the intuitive sees the connection and the mystic sees the connection and the um, you know, theologian or the, the intellect kind of draws the distinction. And um, so I'm all for your um, kind of perennial uh, practice here. I, I think I, probably for the for the last stage, and Scott, thank you again for, for all of that. And uh, I'm sure you might get a few emails from our team, me included after this, Jen. But uh, what, what I would just say kind of on yeah. the uh, on, on the the third act of the episode would be, um, you know, practical use. Um, you know, what, what, how would you point, maybe you can talk about the workshop, but even also just, is it possible to do this? Uh, is it required to be done in one of these workshops? What tell people kind of what that process is? Well, the learning of the process itself comes through obviously experience and osmosis and 
Oh, well, I want to point to the technique I mentioned earlier, the practical aspect mm. of it. The only technique portion of it is we, I have everybody follow me in words out loud. So mm. because I have trained myself to be quite psychic and very intuitive, I'm reading the energy on everybody's behalf as everyone's learning how to do that themselves. And I will have you all follow me in, out, out loud in words as we talk directly to the universe itself. So from the moment you sit in that space until you leave, you are in, in a space where you're reconditioning the cells of your body and your brain and your neural pathways to always default to the universe default, default, default mm. to this greater intelligence that we all have access to. And you're building a relationship with it all the time. And, and, and it's that relationship, which I call the divine love affair, that as that strengthens, it automatically opens your channel and that energy, that love, it is just love. I mean, the simple way of putting it is just love pours into and satiates and fills your cells and will take you on its own unique transformational process in your life. So coming to the workshops and sitting in the groups and doing private sessions is a phenomenal reminder and a chin up and like an injection of a big old injection of this is how it's done. And I mean, Ryan will say it frequently, you know, I'm just so glad to come to group because, you know, I get cleaned out. It's like flushing the toilet. I always tell my mom and dad and my kids, it's like we get filled with shit and then you have to learn how to flush the toilet. Otherwise your toilet's overflowing. Absolutely. And we are sponges. Moving. Yeah, every cell of our body is a sponge and we're always absorbing the energy in our environment all the time. That's biology, that's physics, chemistry, the whole works. So if we don't have a way to flush ourselves of what we're absorbing, we're going to start to get aches and pains. We're going to start to feel a bit depressed. We're going to need to reach for alcohol and weed and whatever the hell else to numb out. Personally, I reach for spirit. I reach for that chi. That's where I go because the alcohol being Irish, I had ruined my liver and it didn't yeah, work. Plenty anymore. of that already. Yeah. I had tried that avenue. So you come along and you're in a training process yes first of all you take your own body through the transformation you know you gotta work with the teacher it's true i need i could not do it on my own first years at all i needed my teacher's guidance and structure it was just so potent and powerful i didn't know what i was doing but i went through that training process and and then eventually you start doing it yourself and then eventually you can start doing it with other people if you want and it Practically speaking in your life, I think the number one takeaway, aside from what we talked about already with learning how to speak your truth and back yourself up, all of the language of energy, learn how to read it, um, put it first before what people are saying to you, what, what the ego's saying. But other than that, it's having a unique, personal, intimate relationship with the Tao. Like learning how to have it not intellectually where you sit in front of your altar that's great and important and amazing but it's not limited to just that it's something that you talk to when you're on the toilet and in the, on the bus and in the grocery store and it's always there working with you it's your therapist it's your bank it's your bank teller it's your accountant it's your boss it's mm. all of those things yeah. and you've actually built that relationship in the cells of your body like that's a person that you can't mess with you cannot mess with someone who has built their house on rock. You know, yeah. most of us have built our house on sand and it crumbled <laughs> at the slightest blow of wind. 
But when you take the time in your life to commit to spirit and put that first, nothing's going to knock you off that rock. You happen to just quote uh, a parable from the New Testament where when I was about to interject, there's a line that Christ says, he says, he who hath ears to hear, let him hear. You know, there's all these mystical reads of his that I really appreciate. And that sounds like that's what you're saying to me is there's yeah. this, you know, are you listening? You know, there's this quality, there's this sending out, there's this transmission, let's hear it. And uh, you happen to quote one of his famous parables about the rock, right when I was going to bring that up. Anyway, <laughs> um, beautiful. Thank you so much for that. And I think, uh, you know, just from from a, let's be really direct here, you do online sessions uh, for people on, and all that information is on jennifermiller.org.com. Yep. Indeed. Okay. And the energy pours through. I often get people saying, but online, you know, yes, energy pours mm -hmm. through. It used to be old school, just on the phone, and now yeah. it's online. And I do sessions with people literally all over the planet every day oh, from all corners of the globe. And now time doing and space is yeah. not affected. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And then doing online workshops now. Like I just did my Munich workshop online last weekend hmm. because I can't get there. So they're transitioning mm -hmm. online more. It's great. I'm learning how to do group hugs online. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't have I my group hugs. It's <laughs> perfect. Zoom hugs. Yeah. Um, last question for you, um, which I kind of hate to wrap up already, but we've traversed quite a bit and this mm -hmm. has been beautiful. Um, what uh, what we ask our guests is who who are some favorite teachers, favorite books, kind of popular to obscure that um, have helped you and impacted yeah. you positively? Such an interesting question. I've had so many through the years. Yeah. I actually have a couple of books here that I picked out. I went to oh, cool. you know, interfaith minister and studied in New York City at the New Seminary and one of the books that we studied was the world's religions you might know it bob yeah houston smith beautiful Phenomenal book kind of a great all-round um look at the mystical component of all the religions the major religions in the world i think it's just a it should be on everybody's shelf and everyone should read it it's really really good and one of my all-time favorite teachers is pema children so i very much you know, I have a Buddhist in me deeply and she's, she just touches the nerve. She goes right in and gets down to the deepest vulnerability. So of course, through the years, especially in my twenties and thirties, when my ego was having tantrums 15 times a day, um, <laughs> like, you know, the places that scare you and taking the leap and any of her books really just gets you in the zone. And Wonderful. there's one, one teacher who I just recently found on a podcast and his name is Michael Mead, M-E-A-D-E. Hmm. He's of Irish descent. He lives in the U.S. He's a professor of anthropology, Jungian psychology and mythology. And he is amazing. His website is mosaicvoices.org. And just look him up. I've only just started investigating him, but he weaves ancient myth in with Jungian psychology and relates it to what's happening today on earth. So wow. some of the stories he's telling through creation myths and he's very much um, mm, passionate. Campbell. Yes, although he vibe. has a lot of that too. Yeah. The genius, the inner genius and, and 
how we all have one and how to access it and also rites of passage and how our modern culture is really devoid of of initiatory rites of passage but yet we're yeah. going through them anyway <laughs> and so <laughs> it really shows com comparison in history to what we're going through now with black lives matter and and the political situation etc so michael mead beautiful Wonderful. man 70s very wise soul yeah wow. thank you for sharing fantastic that. thank you so much yeah um yeah those are great wrecks a couple couple things i just wanted to mention too um before we wrap up i realized that um some of our listeners probably weren't aware i've talked about it in the past but um um I have, uh, I was diagnosed in 2016 with my disease. As of Thanksgiving last year, I've been in complete remission um, after spending about six months working with Jennifer. Um, and uh, as of June this wow. year, I have completely weaned myself off my medication. So I am not Ooh. on medication and I'm, I'm in complete remission. And wow. uh, yeah, the, that's how powerful this work was for me. So it's incredible. just really, really incredible stuff. Um, and that's, that's extremely, uh, doesn't happen. I mean, uh, it's very rare with that disease. Uh, all it's of my very, very rare online and forums and YouTube and learning, hearing people's stories. People get into remission, but it's often on medication and they need to stay on medication and it's not always completely gone. Um, so I, I, literally I can count on one hand how many stories I've heard of getting to a place where I've been fortunate to be able to get to. So really, really so incredible. glad you included that yes. fact yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um second uh i wanted uh jen just to uh, quickly mention the book that she's working on because i oh, am so 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 excited for this i have it right here next to me in a pile of paper. <laughs> uh, it doesn't have a title yet it's three chapters away from being finished and ultimately what it is is a synopsis i tried to keep all keep it really short it's a synopsis of what healed me what transformed me and ultimately how to you could say it's like a handbook for how to connect to the universe in your everyday life and how to begin learning the process of alchemy real transformation and what the different steps okay. are the fundamental components of healing some of which might surprise you i don't think it's going to be stereotypical standard stuff that you were that we're accustomed to a lot of the work that um I do that my teacher did and offered i haven't seen in any book it's not written the same i'm not saying it's different because it's all coming from the same mystical core but the way it's delivered is really unique so everybody's like do you have books after the workshop i'm like i wish mm -hmm. i had the book i need to write my own so it's it's close to being finished. So exciting. Thank you. Wonderful. Congratulations, Jen. So exciting. Um, I, I know this wait. goes without... Heck, I want it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know this goes without saying, and I'm sure you've heard this from countless people, but definitely just wanted to say how inspired we all are. I mean, definitely how inspired I am by you and yeah. how important your work is. Um, this was such an impactful hour and a half with you. I mean... I will definitely be getting in contact with you. Um, I'm just kind of speechless almost to Scott's point, like was very just taking in everything. So I just wanted to just vocalize that before I, we disconnected from this episode. Just amazing. Yeah. Thanks, Angel. Oh, you're all very welcome to come to my house and hang out and, and sit in the <laughs> That would be I am in Austin, wonderful. so I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna jump away. Yeah. yeah, and Canyon Lake's gorgeous too. You're in a beautiful uh, 
part of Texas uh, for for non Texas listeners. Texas has about nine different topographies <laughs> because we're the size of a European country, and uh, Central Texas is very beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah, I Wonderful. am actually because Europe has been canceled again. Mm. I had a whole, a whole few tours mm. been canceled, obviously. Planning on doing a workshop here at our home in Texas yes. in early December. So it's all exciting. But we'll share a word. Wonderful. Great. Jen, thank you so much. And you're in demand also. So we really do appreciate your uh, carving out some time for us. And, yes, really and, uh, appreciate your time. Sh- I know I took a lot. We all took a lot. So thank you so much. Thank you so yeah. much, everybody.